to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Glad to have you here tonight. I'm Dr. C. Robert Jones. Today's date is October 28th. Wow. 2013. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. 
Okay. <laughs> I got to stifle a laugh. I tell you what. Good evening, folks. Listen, um, uh, <laughs> I, I was watching the news earlier today, and uh, it seems that Mr. Obama's gotten himself into another problem because he just didn't know. He had no idea that the CIA or the NSA or the KGB or the MABCDEFG that they were spying on world leaders all across the globe. Chancellor Merkel, I didn't know they were doing that. Why are they doing that? I had no idea that this was going on. Okay. You're the most powerful leader of the free world. You're the President of the United States of America. And you don't know what's going on. He had no idea. He didn't know. Officials are saying that he did not know. He's saying he didn't know. How many times... How many times has the president of the United States of America been caught red-handed or his administration caught red-handed only for him to deny knowing anything about it? Well, perhaps if you weren't hanging out, you know, Jay Leno or Martha's Vineyard, or flying all across the globe on our dime, taking three, four, five hundred people with you. Perhaps if you spend a little less time on the golf course, and a little bit more time in the Oval Office doing your job, you'd know about these things. So we're to believe that some underling is saying, hey, you know what? We should know what Andrea Merkel is saying. Let's go ahead and tap her phone. Her personal mobile phone. And while we're at it, let's go ahead and tap some other phones as well of other world leaders across the globe. That president, well, he doesn't really need to, we don't need to bother him with that. Now, as has been pointed out all throughout the day, especially on my favorite channel, Fox News. We've been doing this for some time now. It has not originated with President Obama. He's not the first president to spy on other world leaders. He's just the first person to get caught doing it. <laughs> and usually, you know, you can get away with doing something sly and tricky like that if you don't get caught. But Obama is just inept enough of a president to get caught red-handed. So now Merkel's wondering what the heck is going on. Now every world leader is wondering if their phone is being tapped by the United States of America. He's pissed off. The whole world. And just a few short years ago, folks were calling him the president of the world. Not just the president of the United States of America. No. He was being built up 
as the president of the whole world. He's got the whole world in his hand. No, not anymore. No, no, no. Because, you know, he came into office saying that, well, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to do business like we used to. No more spying on world leaders. No more spying on citizens. No more this and no more that. We're going to be inclusive. He said that America had been dismissive and, and derisive. No. And that he was going to usher in a new, well, a new world order, if you will. You insist. Well, that hasn't happened. He's, he's, he's just succeeded in the time he's been in office and pissing off the whole world and wondering whether or not their phones are tapped. Not only is our great, wonderful Oz, I mean president, spying on ordinary American citizens, our emails, our phone calls, even the United States Post Office keeps copies of your mail, the mail that comes to your house for 30 days. Did you know that? I mean, they don't open it up and read the mail or keep copies of what's inside, but they keep copies, a copy of the envelope of your mail for 30 days. So, not only is the United States government, our government, that we support with our tax dollars, people we put in office, they're spying on us. And everyone else, they want to know everything. It's all gotten out of hand, folks. It's, it's gotten way out of hand. This country has really gone to the dogs. And it's sad for me to say. Imagine Obamacare, the Affordable, the Affordable Care Act. Where we've gotten to the point, how creepy is this? Listen to this. You go to a website. You put in all of your personal information. There's no expectation of privacy at all. And you sign up for basic, for government health care. You sign up for it. And you go through exchanges and all of that. And you're putting in all of this information that the government collects. And thank God that citizens are not signing up in droves, are not in lines to sign up for government health care. Imagine what the government will do with all of that personal information that they're collecting. All of your personal information. Healthcare.gov. You're willingly sitting in front of a computer and giving up all of your personal rights as it pertains to your privacy. And you're doing so cheerfully because you believe that you're sitting in front of that computer, that desktop or that laptop or that notepad, and you're, you're typing and you're saying, okay, well, let's see, 
my grand great my great grandmother had um syphilis when uh or or heart disease and you know, and then my great grandfather had this and then you're putting all that information in there, and then you're putting in all of your personal information, you're putting your name, your grandmother's name, your great grandmother, you're putting in all this information and yeah, 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 yeah. You can argue that the government already knows this. But they don't already all they don't know it from you. You're putting all of your personal information onto a government website and you're actually trusting them with their information. And it's all, all there. You're signing your privacy away to the United States government. And yeah, you can make the argument that, well, they know all this anyway, or they'll, they'll going to know it, or they know. And if you got nothing to hide, no, 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 no. It's not even about that, is it? Look, I worked for the United States government for 30 years as a Marine. You just don't want to be doing this. You don't want them to know every single thing there is to know about you. You want to try to maintain some privacy. And in an age when we spend so much time on social media, and yeah, I'm guilty of it. You go to my Facebook page, you'll see where I was yesterday. Or... You'll see which restaurant I let you think that I was at yesterday. Think about that. Or if I, that I am in North Carolina, in Charlotte, at a restaurant, well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm in Miami. Or maybe I'm in Oklahoma when I say I'm in D.C., See, I play those kinds of games, but most of the folks, because I don't want everybody knowing where I am and what I'm doing at any given time, that's absurd. But I know a lot of folks out there, yeah, they'll be sitting in a restaurant in Old Town Alexandria or maybe at my favorite Starbucks on King and Union in Old Town, and I have tweeted and texted and, and, and put on Facebook that I was there when I was there, yes, but Folks don't have a problem with that. They'll put that information out there, and it's no big deal. But you're giving up all your personal information to the United States government when you sit on healthcare.gov and start typing in all that information. And thank goodness, a lot of citizens are figuring that out, and they're not signing up. And all these young people who are supposed to sign up to help support us older folks, you know, people like me, I'm 51. All of us, you know, (laughs) they're not signing up. First of all, they can't afford the premiums. Then they can't afford to pay all this money, and they don't get sick anyway for the most part. And if they do, they'll just go to the emergency room. See, this is what your government has conceived for you. You just don't want to do it. And I've said it many times in many broadcasts. Go to the post office. Wait in line. Notice how they treat you there and how they go about doing their jobs. Those are government employees. It's almost impossible to fire them. 
so they have no incentive to actually do their jobs. Or better still, stop into any VA hospital in your area. Just If you just happen to be driving by, just go inside one. Just kind of stand around in the background and notice how they do their jobs. That's government-run healthcare at its best or at its worst. You just don't want to do this, folks. Take it from somebody who's worked for the government for a long time, all of my adult life. I started working for the government as a United States Marine private in 1979, March 13, 1979. Didn't stop until I was well into my 40s. You don't want to do it. You do not want the government is inept. The only thing the government does right is tax you with the IRS and the military, and they've even managed to screw up the United States military. This administration and the Clinton administration managed to gut the United States military. We're now the least defended country. Well, maybe Somalia is more well defended than we are at this point. We're done. Only hope is to allow this clown to play defense. And by clown, I mean Mr. Obama. Get him out of there with a minimal amount of damage for the next three years and get a real president in office who will take care of this country, who will get us back on track. That's our only hope. The collapse of Obamacare, though, is just the tip of the iceberg for the marginal Obama presidency. Now, this is taken from a Wall Street Journal opinion article. For the moment, he he emerged in the public eye with his 2004 speech at the Democratic Convention and through his astonishing defeat of the Clintons in 2008. Barack Obama's calling card has been credibility. He speaks, and another world believes, to keep his presidency afloat. Or they used to. All of a sudden, from Washington to ride-die, Barack Obama's credibility is melting. Amid the predictable collapse the past week of healthcare.gov's too complex technology, not enough notice was given to Senator Marco Rubio's statement that the chances for success on immigration reform are about dead. Why? Because, said Senator Rubio, there is a lack of trust in the president's commitments. Of course. Of course there's a lack of trust. The guy is a clown. This is what happens when you hire somebody to do a job and they don't have the basic tools to do the job. You hire them because they speak well and they appear to be competent but their resume is pretty much blank. So it's as if I'm going into... If it's as if I'm going into the CIA and I want to become the director of foreign affairs or something, and I go in with just my name on a resume, and... I hand the resume over, and it's just got my name and address on it and my email address. But because I look good in my suit, and I speak very well, 
I'm considered to be somewhat intelligent, well-spoken, how we blacks are. If we can speak the English language, somehow that brings us up a notch in the intelligence quotient, just because we're able to speak English without throwing in some Ebonics or sounding like a moron. So I go in, I don't know my ass from a hole in the ground, but yet I look good in my suit and I can speak fairly well. So I get the job and now I'm in charge of foreign affairs. I have no idea what the job entails or how to do the job. We have no tolerance for politics at the White House. I'm Cecil Gaines. I'm the new butler. Yeah. The butler. You see now. You know he got that job himself. The White House called him. He didn't call the White House. Yeah. I don't know how many stories you're going to hear because they done swore him to some kind of secret code. <laughs> That's right. Did you go to an all-colored school, Cecil? I didn't go to school. Did you hear that? I grew up on a cotton ball. Get back to work. Don't you lose your temper within me. It's his world. You just living in it. No doubt. No doubt. So there we go. He's the help. He's the butler. But no, no, he's in. He's in. And I'm in at foreign affairs. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. And yet I get the job. A, B, C, B, A, A, B, B, C, C is in the house tonight. He's in the chat room. He's writing some disparaging remarks about my show. He says I'm spreading garbage. But he knows I'm right. He knows that I am absolutely, utterly correct. He knows that President Obama is an inept, he's lazy, he's shiftless, and he has no idea what he's doing, and he doesn't even want to do the job. He doesn't want to. He's said so many times that he enjoys all the other perks involved in being president except actually doing the job. He said so. Now, it's true that Obama speaks the English language fairly well. It's true that he looks pretty good in a suit. And it's true that he has a certain amount of charisma. Somehow, that and a whole lot of well-placed connections got him into the White House. But the guy has no idea what he's doing. He has no idea what he's doing because he believes that Everybody's with him. He's got the media on his side. He, he's got all this stuff going for him. He doesn't have to compromise or negotiate. He's a narcissist to the max. And he's... I, I don't know. ABC... ABC says it's true that I don't know what I'm doing. No, thank you, ABC. I appreciate it, but I'm back. You know, I'm back, and 
I'm spreading the gospel that Obama is inept. Now, ABCC, you know, he comes into these chat rooms and he, I don't know. Sometimes I think he's a conservative and sometimes I think that, you know, he's a Democrat. It just depends on what day and what topic it is. But I'll tell you what, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come right back. Maybe AB. CC will call in and tell me why he thinks that I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe. Then again, who knows? Maybe he'll just make disparaging remarks in the chat room. But when we come back, we're going to touch on a few things. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. And then we'll we'll talk about a few things. We got time. We'll talk about how Mr. Obama allegedly didn't know that his government, his underlings, chose to spy on world leaders across the globe without so much as telling him. I guess maybe they thought he needed plausible deniability so he could say, I didn't know. But he sounds like a fool anyway. He sounds like he sounds like a completely out of touch, inept guy. If something as serious as this goes on and you don't know about it, you're either a fool, inept, incompetent. Well, there, is there any more? Are there any more we can we can throw in there? No, no, I think those three cover it. A fool, inept, or incompetent. You've got to know about this stuff. And you know what? Here's the thing. If he didn't know that this was going on, heads should roll. A whole lot of people should be fired. And then Congress and the Senate should get involved in creating some sort of a law so that the president has to sign off on all of this stuff, personally. So I guess Mr. Obama was spending so much time on the golf course or hobnobbing with Jay-Z or on the Tonight Show dancing or dancing with Ellen or vacationing in the vineyards or jetting around on my dime. I actually pay taxes. Most of you do not. Maybe he's too busy doing all that other stuff to actually sit down at his desk and do his job. Maybe. We'll take a short break. We'll come right back. You're listening to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report, and I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Yeah. You're 
So the reason Key said that Jesus Christ wouldn't vote for Barack Obama was because of Obama's fanatical support of abortion to the point of condoning infanticide. You can't handle the truth. Political correctness gone wild. I hate These aren't really good reasons to suggest that he's scared, only that he's stupid. What is your major malfunction, nub-nuts? You are cock-blocking. You are in the way. <laughs> I'm looking into trying to get a rooster that doesn't crow. Are you going to trust me or your lying eyes? So the reason Key said that Jesus Christ wouldn't vote for Barack Obama was because of Obama's fanatical support of abortion to the point of condoning infanticide. You can't handle the truth. Political correctness gone wild. I hate These aren't really good reasons to suggest that he's scared, only that he's stupid. What is your major malfunction, nub-nuts? You are cock-blocking. You are in the way. <laughs> I'm looking into trying to get a rooster that doesn't crow. Are you going to trust me or your lying eyes? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. You know, I believe in the principle that you pay as you go. <laughs> Obama was, in the words of Louis Farrakhan, C-elected before he was E-elected. There's a rhyme in there somewhere. Why so serious? I laugh out loud with glee. At every opportunity, I'm standing in the grocery line. Ha 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 ha. Hey, I'm uh, doing the laundry. Ha 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 Oh, I'm walking the dog. <laughs> I was napping. I went. <laughs> And it's all because of the news today. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? This is David Graham of Stay Mad Radio. You're listening to Dr. C. Robert Jones and the Situation Report every weekday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. said that Jesus Christ wouldn't vote for Barack Obama was because of Obama's fanatical support of abortion. All right. Welcome back to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The call in number is 347-884-8500. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, B. Wait, wait, wait. It's A, A, B, B, C, C is what we like to call in the hood sometimey. Sometimes he's a conservative and sometimes he's a liberal and uh it depends. It depends on what show. You know, I think with my main man G Ski, hopefully he'll be back soon at twenty twenty radio network, whenever I notice uh A B C on his show, he's like kissing up to G Ski. He's kissing up to 2020 radio. He's like a groupie over there. He's like he's like there every single night, 
every time ABC, every time 2020 has a show, he's like kissing up to see to to G Ski. G Ski could say the moon was made out of green cheese, and ABC would be all over it. He'd be like, "Give me some of that cheese." Yep, that's the kind of guy he is. So it's no, I mean, yeah, he's some timey. Yeah, I, I dig it. Okay, it's okay with me. All I'm saying is, you know, when it comes to Mr. Obama, some people have blinders on. They want to believe in this guy so bad because he's the first African-American president and he's like, he's like their role model. It's like you can't say anything bad about the guy. Otherwise, you incur the wrath of most black people and a whole lot of liberals. You just can't do it. I can tell you, I, can count, I, t- I can't count for you how many friends I've lost. I mean, friends, I've had friends for, for over 20 years. How many of them don't speak to me anymore because I don't bow down to Mr. Obama? And if you're a white person, of course, if you don't agree with Obama's policies, then you're a racist. Or you're a bigot. If you are a black person and you don't agree with Mr. Obama's policies, then you're an Oreo or you're a sellout. It's not Mr. Obama. No, I don't like the guy. I met him outside of Reverend Rice Church one afternoon, and I think it was 1994, 95. I shook his hand. He's got a limp-wristed handshake, and I didn't like it, and he didn't look me in the eye. So I don't like the guy because I'm taught by my dad that you display a firm handshake and you look a person in the eye when you speak to them. He didn't do either of those things. And I judged him to be unworthy. But that was well before he even joined the, 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 the Illinois State Senate. I didn't like the guy. So that's just me. A lot of you folks have, have never met the guy. And you never will. But I had the displeasure of shaking the guy's hand when there were only like seven people around us. I'm talking seven or eight people tops. I didn't, I didn't like the guy right away. He made a bad first impression. But that aside, I don't like any of his policies. And yeah, you can be a black person and not like another black person and not be a racist. So before Obama became president, I didn't like the guy. Now he's president, I still don't like him. And I know a lot of people in Chicago who feel exactly that same way about the dude. They probably voted for him for that whole black African-American president thing, but they don't like the guy. Half of the South Side think the guy's a sellout in an Oreo is damn self. People on the south side of Chicago, they don't like the guy. He doesn't even live on the south side anymore. He lives in Hyde Park. He never lived in the hood. 95th Street and Halsted all the way up to 127th Street is the hood. I'm talking straight up. I'm talking gunfire. I'm talking murders every night. I'm talking drugs, prostitution, all of that where Obama went to church, all that surrounding Reverend Rice Church. 
far as the eye can see, okay? That's the hood. Did Obama live there? No. He lived in highfalutin high part where the homes are a million dollars each. Okay? And then he still has the same house in Hyde Park now. Compliments of Mr. Tony Resco, who is serving some, some serious time in the federal pen right now. He's not a brother. He's not a black man. Not a single one of Barack Obama's parents. Not, not his dad. Certainly not his mom. Her, she, was, she was white as snow. His dad wasn't a product of slavery, of the slave trade. Not a single Obama ancestor came over on a slave boat. Not his grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather. No slaves in that hood, in that, in that batch. But yet, folks are calling him an African-American. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, he came straight from Africa. But not like you and me. Our ancestors were, were, were slaves for the most part. I, I can only speak for myself at this time. But, you know, people like ABC, they want to guard the guy. Because, it's, you know, I, I don't even think that ABC likes the guy. And I'm, ABC is the guy I'm talking about in the chat room, folks, for those of you who are listening. I don't, I don't know if he likes Obama personally or not, but I think that he feels an obligation to protect the man at all costs. Because for people like ABC, Obama is not just a man. He is a symbol of black ascendancy to power. That's what he is. He's a symbol to, to people like ABC. So they, and they must protect that symbol. Regardless of whether the guy is inept, regardless of whether the guy doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground, that does, that's not important to people like ABC. He is a symbol. Now, I see the guy as the destroyer. I see the guy as nothing short of the Antichrist himself. I see the guy, a guy who wants to fundally, fundamentally transform the United States of America into something radical. He wants to leave a serious mark on this country because his mentor and real father, Frank Marshall Davis, taught him that America was evil and vile and needed to be taken down a peg or two. And Obama ascended somehow as a marginal student in Occidental College to move on to Colombia. How did that happen? And then a marginal student, by all accounts, from those who taught classes he participated in to students who were there with him, as a Marxist, he somehow managed to get into Harvard Law because he's smart? No. Because he had connections, people wanted to see him get to where he, where he was going so that somehow he was going to be president of the United States. He was being beaten handily. He was being destroyed in the polls for the Senate. Not the state, not Illinois State Senate, but for the United States Senate. 
by Jerry Ryan, the actress Jerry Ryan's former husband. All of a sudden, three months before the election, sealed court documents of Jerry Ryan and her husband's uh, divorce records somehow got it got to the press. Three months before votes were to be cast. Jerry Ryan was forced, Jerry Ryan's husband, Obama's opponent, was forced to back out of the race because of damaging information contained in those documents. So three months before the election, Obama stood alone. The GOP had to scramble and bring in Alan Keyes to run against Obama. By then, it was much too late. Obama got into the Senate by default because somehow, mysteriously, actress Jerry Ryan and her husband, who ran against Obama for the Senate, somehow their personal documents, sealed documents, found their way into the press just three months before the election. This whole thing has been rigged from the beginning. Since the time Obama was a child, he was being groomed to run for president and win and then do his damage to this country. It's all been rigged. There are no coincidences, folks. You know it and I know it. This guy has been put in this place at this time for this moment. And how is it that the media is all over this guy, kissing his ass, both cheeks? No matter what he does, short of murder, they're not going to report anything bad about the guy. And those, those mavericks who do, those Mustangs who do report damaging information about Obama, they're fired or relegated to, uh, you know, desk jobs somewhere in the basement. But you know what? I understand people like my man ABCDEFG here in our chat room. Because for Obama's presidency and for a lot of black people, it's not about Obama. It's about the idea of Obama. They don't want to see, they don't want to let it be said or let it be done that the first African-American president of the United States was a complete and utter failure worse than Jimmy Carter himself. Jimmy Carter must be sleeping like a baby every single night because now he will not go down as the worst president in the history of this great country. Obama will undoubtedly go down as the worst president in our nation's history, the absolute worst. Obamacare has collapsed. That's the one, the only thing that he has done of any significance for this country. That's the only thing he's done, folks. You know it and I know it. His record speaks for itself. He doesn't have one. So he managed to get through the Senate and the House, the Affordable Care Act. Obamacare. That's it. That's all he's done. Gays serving openly in the military. Yeah, you could you could throw that in there too. But for the for the entire nation, that's all he's done. And it's collapsed. It's been an utter failure. 
It's a mess. But didn't you guys expect this to be just that way? Imagine if we were in a situation where we were going to be a single payer. We were going to have a single payer, and the government would control all of that, which is what they all really wanted. We would be in such a mess. It would be terrible. It would be terrible. It would be the worst thing on the face of the earth. This country is a mess, dog. It's terrible. We're, ABC, you've got, to, you've got to believe it. And I believe that he does believe it. I believe that ABC believes that Obama is completely out of his depth. But he won't say it. He won't say it at all. And I understand why he won't say it. Because it's hard. It's hard when your idols come crashing down, isn't it? <laughs> it's terrible. So, I mean, I understand. Y- y- you have my sympathy. And Jimmy Carter probably tell you the same thing. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank goodness for Barack Obama. Now I will not go down as the worst president on the face of the earth. Thank God for Barack Obama. And the Drudge Report reported earlier today, he didn't know. He didn't know. President Barack Obama didn't know the United States was collecting communications of allied leaders such as German Chancellor Angela Merkel. The chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee said that Monday that Barack Obama didn't know. Well, if he didn't know, who's the buck stop with? Who's the buck stop with? Or who's it supposed to stop with? I know that Barack Obama's been blaming Jimmy Carter and Abe Lincoln, and he probably blamed me for a couple things. He's blaming everybody. It's everybody else's fault. So, who... He didn't know. He's the president of the United States, and he didn't know. He had no idea. It's not his fault. Moreover, Senator uh, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein of California said in a statement that her panel was unaware of the sweeping intelligence effort and said that the White House had told her that such data collection was won't continue. So is it, it is, a, is it a simple case of ineptitude all around? Is the whole country just inept? I mean, all of our government? The call-in number is 347-884-8500. What's going on? Seriously, what is going on with this government? The right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. It's all a big, terrible mess. It's, it, it, it's out of hand. It, it's a judgment on intelligence. That's what it really is. It's a judgment on intelligence. And Barack Obama has been found wanting 
Despite everything you've gleaned from spy novels and movies, the most important raw material for a successful intelligence service isn't information. It's called judgment. And if you don't know what information is worth collecting and you cannot figure out what this information means soon enough and clearly enough for policymakers to use it, then you're, you're at a loss. The latest case in point is the fuss over allegations in the German press that our country's intelligence service has been listening in to Angela Merkel's cell phones. Why are we listening to Angela Merkel's cell phone conversations? And worse off, how did we get caught doing it? <laughs> it's true. From time to time, allies do spy on each other. I mean, but the last guy who got busted was Eisenhower. When the Gary, uh, uh, Major Gary Powers' U-2 spy plane was shot down over Russia, Powers was captured. Uh, the administration, the Eisenhower administration presumed that, that Powers was, was safe and sound or that he was, he was dead. Powers spilled the beans just sang like a canary and the whole time Eisenhower was saying that we, we didn't we, we weren't spying on Russia what are you talking about we weren't we were, were nowhere near there no it didn't happen that was the last time the United States of America got busted spying on another country red handed now we're busted red handed with an inept president and, it, and he's saying he didn't know. And Obamacare comes crashing to the ground. This guy's had a bad second term. He has had a very bad second term. I almost feel sorry for him. What could we possibly hope to learn, folks, from Angela Merkel's cell phone conversations? That's worth the risk of offending one of our country's most important allies. Is she likely to be calling China's president to coordinate an invasion of Russia? Is she on her cell phone with the head of Pakistan's army secretly purchasing one of the country's nuclear bombs for the Luftwaffe? Come on. Why are you bugging the lady's cell phone? Her personal phone. Folks, this is Angela Merkel one of the world's most capable, serious, head-screwed-on-straight leaders. There isn't a chance she would do something to start a world war or fracture the Western alliance. It's more than likely the most interesting call we pick up from the German chancellor is a conversation with her husband saying she'd be home late for dinner because a delegation of Greek bankers had unexpectedly arrived in Berlin to beg her for another euro loan or something of that nature. Or she might be whispering sweet nothings to her husband over the phone that ugh, we do not want to hear. And you don't need spies or wiretaps to have predicted this or to predict Merkel's response to her husband's pleas for a little bit more affection. Come on. This is the most inept group 
of government employees in the history of this country, and it starts at the top, folks. Meanwhile, it seems that none of our country's senior intelligence officials thought it worth the time and effort to keep an eye on those brothers from Boston before they exploded two bombs at the Boston Marathon, even though both brothers were growing more radical by the week. Obama's golfing. He's hanging out in Martha's Vineyard. He's chilling with Jay-Z and Beyonce. He's having a great time, and he's not minding the store. Because every time something like this goes wrong, and it has for the last four years, he says he didn't know. I had no idea this was going on. Okay, okay, fair enough. You didn't know. It's a big, there's a, it's a, a big government. Lots of wheels turning, right? Lots of wheels turning all over the place. You can't have your finger in every pie. You can't know everything that's going on because the government because thanks to Obama the government has grown so massively large he can't oversee everything right can I mean let's be fair to the guy he he can but come on somebody's stealing paper clips he's not supposed to know about that but tapping another head of state's phone and no heads rolling the next day once it's found out? It's my understanding that the heads of the departments responsible are still, they still have their jobs. Why isn't anybody fired? Not even a symbolic firing. Every single time Obama gets himself into these situations, nobody loses their job. Kathleen Sebelius. Well, she said, well, I didn't have direct responsibility for the website. Okay, but Kathleen, sweetheart, you're in charge. You take responsibility whether the responsibility was yours or not. You fall on your sword. You take responsibility. The buck stops with you. Why is it that everyone in this administration seeks to lay the blame elsewhere or say they didn't have the responsibility or they didn't know? Why is that? A, B, C, D, E, F, G is sitting in my chat room defending this inept presidency, this inept administration. You'd have to know. These guys have been screw-ups for five years. Now, no intelligence service can be perfect. And even the most brilliant, hard-working spy chiefs will suffer the occasional failure. But as Angela Merkel, as the, the Angela Merkel massacre or mess and other failures make clear the problem with American intelligence today isn't the shortage of resources needed to keep us safe, but the lack of judgment at the very top, and we're talking about the very top, and you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, that dude who blames Bush for everything, or it's Bush's fault, I didn't know, it's not my fault, the government is pretty big. I can't be expected to know everything. I can't be expected to do everything. What are you? What is your job, dude? 
you know, there was a Time, uh, Time article that came out, you know, shortly after uh, Obama failed miserably at several different things all at once, suggesting that the presidency and the United States government was too big for one man to handle. So it was suggested in this article, this Time article, that President Obama be uh, relegated to more of a figurehead because he's relatively handsome and he looks good in his suit and he speaks well, while the running of the government be left to others. That was such a slap in the face to Obama. It was a backhand. It was a bitch slap. But a lot of folks didn't take it that way. They simply said, yeah, 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 the government is kind of big. And, you know, how can one man be expected? Well, one man did it like 40 some odd times before him. I forgot the actual number, how many presidents we have. It's embarrassing right now. But, hey, bear with me, okay? So all those other guys who ran the White House, who ran the country, who ran the government, Reagan, Clinton, you know, all those guys, they managed to do it. But all of a sudden... For this president, it's a little too much to handle. It's too much, right? It's just too much. You can't, he can't be expected to do all of this work. Come on. It was actually suggested that we have more of a parliamentary system of government because Obama wasn't doing his job. It was embarrassing. Utterly, utterly embarrassing. So maybe, maybe when you have a, a black president, when you have your first African-American president, and that's all you see, it, you know, not competence, not uh, the ability to actually do the job. When, when, you, when you have an African-American, your first African-American, you know, Maybe it's not, you know, maybe he just does, isn't up to the task. Maybe, maybe just this president is not up to the task. Could that be it? Because that's what I think. Well, folks, we're at, our time is up right now, so I'm just going to we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna check out now. Uh, I have the the show set for uh, for a little to run a little bit longer, just in case of technical glitches. Given that I've just come back after almost a year's absence, but uh, usually our show is going to run from eight to nine p.m. And uh, a lot of you stopped in that I haven't seen in a while. Melinda's in the house. Uh, Lady Michelle, um, golf dogs here. A B C C D E F G. Uh, Casanova Frankenstein, John Galt, uh, Republican Marine, Swing Easy. You guys are great. Um, Melinda, thanks for coming in. All you guys, I do appreciate it. Uh, we're just gonna, I'm just going to leave it with, uh, with uh, Ayn Rand's uh, a little bit of what she had to say about a lot of this stuff, and then we're going to go ahead and check on out. I'll tell you what, you guys are great. I do appreciate all the folks who were listening to the show. A lot of the folks who were listening to the show before I left are back now. And uh, oh, and I also, before I go, I want to wish um, G Ski a speedy recovery of 2020 Radio Network. He was out ill for a while. I tried to visit him in the hospital a couple of times, but was unable to. Um, and uh, we wish him uh, 
Godspeed and a speedy recovery. And uh, all the other Blog Talk Radio hosts are rooting for him as well. I want to thank you guys for listening tonight. You guys have been great. Love you too, Melinda. Thank you all so much for being here, for coming. There's plenty of things you could be doing with your time at this hour of the night, and you chose to come in and listen to my show, and I do appreciate it. Um, You guys are great. We are out of here. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to leave with Ayn Rand, and we're going to check on out. Good night, folks. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. We are out. Karl Marx predicted that capitalism would commit suicide. The American businessmen are carrying out that prediction. In destroying themselves, they are destroying capitalism, of which they are the symbol and product. And America, which is the greatest and freest example of capitalism man has ever reached. There is no outside power that can destroy such men and such a country. Only an inner power can do it, the power of morality. More specifically, the power of a contemptibly evil idea accepted as a moral principle, altruism. Remember that altruism does not mean benevolence or consideration for other men. Altruism is a moral theory which preaches that man must sacrifice himself for others, that he must place the interest of others above his own, that he must live for the sake of others. Altruism is a monstrous notion. It is the morality of cannibals devouring one another. It is it is a theory of profound hatred for men. I seem to have competition here. I'll let you go first. Okay? It is a theory of profound hatred for men, for reason, for achievement, for any form of human success or happiness on earth. Altruism is incompatible with capitalism and with, and with businessmen. Businessmen are a cheerful, benevolent, optimistic, predominantly American phenomenon. The essence of their job is the constant struggle to improve human life, to satisfy human needs and desires, not to practice resignation, surrender, and worship of suffering. And here is the profound gulf between businessmen and altruism. Businessmen do not sacrifice themselves to others. If they did, they would be out of business in a few months or days. They profit, they grow rich, they are rewarded as they should be. This is what the altruists, the collectivists, and other sundry humanitarians hate the businessmen for that they pursue a personal goal and succeed at it. Do not fool yourself by thinking that altruists are motivated by compassion for the suffering. They are motivated by hatred for the successful. The evidence is all around us.
think. The evidence is all around us, but one small example sticks in my mind as extremely eloquent. In the early 1930s, an assistant of Jane Addams, the famous social worker, went on a visit to Soviet Russia and wrote a book about her experience. The sentence I remember is, quote, how wonderful it was to see everybody equally shabby, close quote. If you think that you should try to appease the altruist, this is what you are appeasing. The great tragedy of capitalism and of America is the fact that most businessmen have accepted the morality of altruism and are trying to live up to it, which means that they are doomed before they start. Another contributory evil is the philosophical root of altruism, which is mysticism, the belief in the supernatural, which preaches contempt for matter, for wealth, well-being, or happiness on earth. The mystics are constantly crying appeals for your pity, your compassion, your help to the less fortunate, yet they are condemning you for all the qualities of character that make you able to help them. Evil theories have to rely on evil means in order to hold their victims. Altruism and collectivism cannot appeal to human virtues. They have to appeal to human weaknesses. And where there are not enough weaknesses, they have to manufacture them. It is in the nature of altruism and collectivism that the more they use, need a person or a group, the more they denounce their victims, induce guilt, and struggle never to let the victims discover their own importance and acquire self-esteem. Every kind of ethnic group is enormously sensitive to any slight. If one made a derogatory remark about the Kurds of Iran, dozens of voices would leap to their defense. But no one speaks out for businessmen when they are attacked and insulted by everyone as a matter of routine. What causes this overwhelming injustice? The businessmen's own policies, their betrayal of their own values, their appeasement of enemies, their compromise, all of which add up to an air of moral cowardice. Add to it the fact that businessmen are creating and supporting their own destroyers. The sources and centers of today's philosophical corruption are the universities. Businessmen are both content Thank you. That is the most important point. Businessmen are both contemptuous of and superstitiously frightened by the subject of philosophy. There is a vicious circle involved here. Businessmen have good ground to despise philosophy as it is taught today. But it is taught that way because businessmen have abandoned the intellect to the lowest rung of the unemployables. Of, 
all the conditions and ideas necessary to turn men into abjectly helpless serfs of dictatorship, rule uh, the institutes of today's higher education as a tight monopoly with very few and rare exceptions. Hatred of reason and worship of blind emotions. Hatred of the success and worship of self-sacrifice. Hatred of the individual and worship of the collective. These are the fundamental notions that dominate today's universities. This notion condition and paralyze the minds of the young. If you want to discover how a country's philosophy determines its history, I urge you to read the ominous parallels by Leonard Peikoff to be published this coming spring by Stein and Day. This brilliant book presents the philosophical similarities between the state of America's culture today and the state of Germany's culture in the Weimar Republic in the years preceding the rise of Nazism. After you read this book, you will know the power of philosophy and you will know that one cannot play with it as irresponsibly as people do today.